Grace be to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord, Jesus Christ, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we come to you to listen to your word, we ask you to open our ears and minds and hearts to receive it so that we may be enlivened and guided, strengthened and consoled by your word. Amen. Before we read the sermon text, I want to present two scenarios to you to help us understand the sermon text better. Uh, Suppose a beggar comes to your front door or to your gate. He rings the bell or he bangs on the gate or he shouts loud and you notice him. And when you open the gate or the door, you see him covered in blood and almost collapsing. What do you do? We often have beggars come to our door and some, mostly we just give them bread but sometimes they say they need money to go to the hospital and then sometimes we do give them the money they need to go to the hospital. But in this case it will not be possible just to give him money and let him go to the hospital. He's collapsing already. What do you do? Maybe the best thing is to phone the emergency services, the ambulance. But you can already see the blood is flowing out. So maybe you do, you've maybe done a little course or you know about it. You do a little bit of first aid. You, you uh, put pressure on the wound and you stop the blood flow and you wait for that emergency services to come to your front door then maybe it's a good time for them or you are fortunate but not too long afterwards while you are still stopping the blood flow they arrive and uh, they say this person needs urgent blood transfusion if, and, and our stocks are run out we don't have, have that, the blood that he needs if we now load him and take him, he's going to die. Are you willing to donate blood? Are you willing to donate blood for a total stranger? Even if they, they have to take so much that you might feel faint and, and it might not be that good for your health, what would you do? Now a different scenario. With your daughter, you are working in the kitchen and suddenly she cuts herself deeply with a kitchen knife and the blood starts flowing. Obviously, you'll try to stop the blood flowing. Obviously, you'll call the ambulance. Again, they ask, uh, 
we do, say we don't have blood stocks in, in the ambulance. Will you donate blood? The answer this time? Yes. Definitely. For my daughter, for my wife, for, for someone of my family, they probably don't even need to ask. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. For, for somebody who I don't know at the, at the door, it's a bit difficult. No? Now let's read the sermon text. I read from 1 Peter 1, from verse 13 to 21. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your times as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. You might have recognized what I am uh, what I am referring to with those scenarios I presented to you. Christ saved us with his blood, not with gold or silver. Maybe you still remember from confirmation classes, Luther's explanation of the second article of the Creed. I think most of us still had to recite it from memory when we were confirmed. I'll read it to you in English. I believe that Jesus Christ is truly God, born of the Father in eternity and also truly man, born of the Virgin Mary. He is my Lord. He redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, bought and won me from all sins, death and the authority of the devil, it did not cost him gold or silver, but his holy precious blood, his innocent body, his death. Because of this, I am his very own, will live under him in his kingdom and serve him righteously, innocently and blessedly forever. Just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns forever. 
Yes, this is true. Luther took his explanation of Christ redeeming us mainly from this one passage, 1 Peter, with his precious blood, Christ redeemed us. What does this mean for us? Christ gave himself, his blood, his life, to redeem you and me. When we reflect on the scenarios I sketched at the beginning, I think we would agree. It is much easier just to give money to somebody coming to your gate and say, here's some money, go and do what you need. It doesn't really hurt me that much. I mean, maybe I'll have a little bit less to spend in future, but money is just money. You can, you can easily give a few rands to somebody. It's, it doesn't really impact your life. But to give your blood, that's something personal. That's something deeply from, now physically, from your heart. And you don't, you won't easily do it just for a complete stranger. Maybe you'll feel, yes, there is a lot of pressure, let me save this life. But it's not something you easily do. I do donate blood for complete strangers and I would encourage those who can, for their health, uh, in, according to their health, to go to the blood services and donate blood. But that's a very controlled environment. To shed your blood to the point where your health might be impacted is not the same. And, and Jesus gave his blood his life. Not only for his disciples, with whom he was on the way for three years, good friends of his. He gave his blood and his life for you and for me, who are complete strangers, who the human Jesus didn't know because 2,000 years down the line we are here. He gave his blood even for his enemies. You remember? When he was on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. Christ is willing to give his blood, his lifeblood, for you and me. And in doing so, he basically also says, I love you so much that I regard you as my close kin, my family, my brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. Because for those, definitely one would be willing to shed one's blood. That Christ gave his blood makes you, that Christ gave his blood for you, makes you to be one 
of his brothers and sisters. He comes to show you that he adopts you. He makes you one with his family. You become pulled in to this family. If you had given your blood for that person and the emergency services takes them away, takes them away wouldn't you call the hospital, ask how he is? If he recovers, maybe you would even say, let me inquire after him, let me help him further. I've given so much already. Let me continue to be interested. Christ's blood is living in you. He's interested in you. Christ loves you so much that he gives his very life for you on the cross. What an amazing love this is of the Lord that created, through whom the world was created. Let's look at the other side of this coin. He redeems not with gold or silver. As we said, giving away a little bit of money is not difficult actually. It doesn't hurt us that much. What is money anyhow? It's a piece of paper with a signature saying, this is worth so much. It's actually a figment of our collective imagination. Money is worth exactly as much as most people think it is worth. If most people suddenly think this money is not worth anything, then that money won't be worth anything. Remember Zimbabwe? When suddenly, uh, when you got your salary, it was worth so and so many Zim dollars, and when you wanted to spend it, you could barely buy a piece of bread with it. If you kept it for too long, it wasn't worth anything. Money in itself is not really worth anything. Even gold or silver have no intrinsic worth. You can't eat them. You can't really use gold for anything productive. You know, if you make a knife of gold or silver, it will be so soft that it won't cut anything. So, it's not really worth that much in itself. It's just because people think it is worth something. That's why at the beginning of this text, the Apostle says, with minds that are alert and fully sober, think about things carefully. Is money really worth money? Well, it's worth money, but is it worth something? The worth of money, the striving for money, is really just a system we humans create. And we create it in order to strive for more. You know, uh, I don't know whether you know the story about Imelda Marcos, the wife of the dictator of the... Of the uh, Philippines. She collected 
shoes. She had an obsession with shoes. She had tens of rooms filled with shoes. If I think about that, I'd say, why? Why have more shoes than you can wear in your lifetime? It doesn't make any sense to me. But people are obsessed with money and want to have more money than they really need for their lifetime. It's part of a system where, which we humans create to strive for more and more and more. And so, it is part of that, I talked about it when I talked about the temptation of Jesus, about the striving for power and profit and popularity. And we as Christians are called not to follow that old way anymore. Do not conform to the ways of this world, to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance, our text says. Christ sets us free from the old way of life from the striving after power for ourselves, profit for ourselves, popularity for ourselves, from the striving after money, the empty thing of this world. Where we trust him, where we accept that he gave his life for us and that he cares for us so deeply, There, there we set our hope firmly on the grace. Fully sober, set your hope on the grace of Christ. Focus on that which God gives you in his great love, that he accepts you as his children. If our hope is placed in things like money, which are really empty things, figments of the collective human imagination, we will never be satisfied because money or possessions or power cannot satisfy the deep need in us to be connected to the source of all life, which is God. And so, People try to fill this, this hole, this need of security, of acceptance that we get from God with all these things. But they never fill it because they don't fit into that hole. And so they try to do more and more, but it's, it doesn't work out. If we, if we live out of the knowledge that God loves us so much that he gave his only son. If we know that God cares for us so deeply that in Jesus Christ he gave his lifeblood, there, there our hearts will be filled with with gratitude, with trust, with hope, Hope that is greater and deeper. And then, then we will live lives differently from the world. 
differently from people who want to have and have and have. Because we live out of God. The text says, Be holy for I am holy. What is this? Holy. We sometimes think holy is to to separate out from the world, to have nothing to do with the world, to keep ourselves clean of all these things of the world. And there is something to that. Because being holy is being oriented totally towards God. And in doing so, in living out of what God gives, we become what we should be, images of God. You remember, humans were created in God's image, to be images of God. Christ is the true image of God. And what do we see in Christ? We see a love that gives itself. And where we trust God, allow that trust to fill our hearts, there we too will become images of a God who gives, who serves, who is concerned for the world, who loves, who gives grace. Where we allow His Spirit to lead us, where we put our hands to the plow of God's kingdom and look forward to what God does, they there we will be true images of God, holy as He is holy, loving and giving as He is loving and giving. That is what it means to be holy. There, there indeed, the future that God gives will be our hope. We often are so hopeless. Hopeless because things are going worse. Hopeless because of unemployment and corruption and all these things. But those are not the things we should hope in. Our hope is in what God does in Christ. Our hope is that God redeems the world. Our hope is that we receive from God and are liberated to give where we live this hope there we will also experience God's peace a peace much greater than we can understand may this peace guide and guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord to eternal life Amen